On this podcast, we discuss medical diagnoses and procedures. All of the guests express their own opinions. You should always seek medical advice from a trained and credentialed professional when making decisions about your own health. Welcome to the Sleep Apnea Stories podcast. I'm Emma Cooksey, and I've been coping with sleep apnea since childhood. I didn't know anyone in my life with a sleep disorder, so I decided to start this podcast. I'm here to build community and provide a platform for people with sleep apnea to tell their stories. Together, we can shatter stereotypes and raise awareness. We'll be exploring all sorts of treatment options and lifestyle choices to help you live your best life with sleep apnea. This is Sleep Apnea Stories, and I'm so glad you're here. This episode of Sleep Apnea Stories is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you've been listening to the podcast, you know a lot of people dealing with sleep apnea are also coping with some mental health issues. I have been struggling with anxiety and depression along with sleep apnea for years. Having a supportive and understanding therapist has helped me tremendously. If you're having a tough time right now, BetterHelp can assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. Visit BetterHelp, that's H-E-L-P, dot com slash Emma. That's BetterHelp.com slash Emma. And join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Right now, there's a special offer for Sleep Apnea Stories listeners, and you can get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash Emma. Hi, everyone. It's Emma Cooksey here, and I'm your host. So... How are you guys doing? I'm doing pretty well, although at the moment I am feeling like having sleep apnea is pretty much a full-time job. Um, I've been working on my Bateco breathing with Joe from the Breathing Clinic. Big shout out to Joe. Um, my control pause, or sometimes it's called a bolt score, has gone from four to twenty-one right? If you're like, what are you talking about? Uh, You might want to go back to listen to episode 11 of the podcast where I interviewed Patrick McEwen. And I was talking to him about how I was really breathless and my uh, bolt score or control pause score, which is essentially just if you breathe in and breathe out and then hold your nose. It's the amount of time it takes for you to have the urge to breathe. So when I first started out on this journey, it was four seconds and now it's 21. So I'm quite pleased with that. 
Um, and then I also continue to work with my myofunctional therapist, Caitlin Shrum from Southern Speech and Mayo. And so we've just been working on now that I've had my tongue tie released, where my tongue is in my mouth and supporting nasal breathing by having my tongue rest in the right place. So Caitlin's been helping a lot. And then last week, to add to the excitement, I went for a consultation with a dentist um, about potentially getting a Vivos appliance, like a DNA appliance or an mRNA. So those use epigenetic orthodontics. So that's all about what I've been up to, um, as well as raising two kids and having a husband and a dog and a job. (laughs) I also wanted to tell you guys about a free resource I put together for you. Um, It's a two-page printable PDF with some advice for CPAP users, and it's called CPAP Lessons I Learned the Hard Way. It's really all the things over the last 12, almost 13 years that I've been using a CPAP that I had difficulty with, and it took me forever to figure out. And so I thought it would be helpful just to put some of these things into um, a PDF so you guys can have a look. And if you're struggling with any of those issues, it should help you, hopefully. So to get your copy of that, just go to sleepapneastories.com and then click where it says email sign up and you'll see it right there. And I'll send you that out. So on to today's guest. Dr. Meghna Dasani has practiced dentistry for more than 20 years. In recent years, Dr. Dasani has begun identifying and treating adult and pediatric sleep apnea. She has a podcast called Healthy Sleep Revolution. That's actually where I first came across her. I started seeing her post podcasts that were short and concise, but were all to do with sleep apnea and how dental appliances can help with them and also about pediatric sleep apnea. Um, She's the author of three books, Healthy Sleep, Happy Kids, Sleep, Breathe, Dream, and her newest book that we're going to be talking about, which is called Airway is Life. And the link if you want to go and get that, they're on Amazon. So the link, especially for the new book, is in the show notes. So please enjoy this conversation with Dr. Meghna Dasani. Uh, Dr. Meghna Dasani, thank you so much for joining me. It's a pleasure to be here. Finally, the yes. stars aligned and we're speaking. We made it work. So that's yes. good. So let's start for everybody listening by telling them where you are in the world at the moment. Absolutely. Uh, I am in Houston, Texas, which is known for its warm weather, but not currently because we have a snowstorm headed our way. Yeah, <laughs> I just saw, I believe, I'm not sure if Brene Bryan's currently in Houston, but her little post this morning was that it's freezing cold there. And I was like, that doesn't sound like Texas. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But yes, I'm in Texas. Okay. And so give me a brief, just because I'm nosy and I'm also an immigrant, give me a brief like rundown. So you started off in India. And so Correct. how did you find yourself in Texas? <laughs> <laughs> so I am born and raised in Mumbai, India. Um, actually went to dental school there, had a practice there for six years. Wow. And then a boy happened. (laughs) That's why I was hoping you were going to say me too. (laughs) (laughs) 
and that's how I found myself on the other side of the world. Um, but all worth it, all worth it. Right. <laughs> and it's, it's fun though, to go back and run into my old patients. And I guess people are the same everywhere. They will still stop me in the middle of the street, put a finger in their mouth and go like, what do you think of this too, doc? <laughs> <laughs> I bet you get a lot of that. It's kind of like doctors as well. So um, I really wanted to, I first discovered you through your podcast. So Healthy Sleep Revolution. Did I get it right? Yes. Yeah. So, and I love, there's so many podcasts from dentists and doctors out there. And I love yours because you have caught on to the fact that people's attention span is really short for this stuff. So I love how you, you just like choose a little topic and you do your six or seven minutes and it's yes. perfect. And so, yeah, so I particularly love, you did an episode where you were talking all about um, children and sleep apnea. And so that really, you know, resonated with me. And I was like, I'd love to have her on to talk about that. And then since that, I've realized that you have a book. I do. That's exciting. So tell us first of all about the book that you just wrote. Absolutely. The book is called Airway is Life. Um, Pretty self-explanatory right Mm -hmm. there. And the book is for everybody. I wanted to say it's not for dentists, but that would be untrue. Right. Um, It is for everybody. It is for the everyday person that struggles with sleep issues for themselves, their families, their children, and just doesn't know where to turn, what to ask, Mm -hmm. what to look for. Um, And this is my attempt at helping them navigate the waters a little bit, just Mm -hmm. so they know, they understand it a little little better, but also know what questions to ask. So that's my little attempt there. Yeah. Releases February 28th. Okay. Uh, yeah. So we're super, super excited. That's awesome. I'm excited to read it. So, so let's start right there with as parents, what are really like the red flags that people should be looking for? Because I know like I have two daughters myself and both of them now touch wood are breathing through their nose and seem to be sleeping well and all that. But Rosie, um, my youngest one, had she actually had her well going back I was going to say she had her tonsils removed which is true but before that I noticed she really was mouth breathing and she wasn't sleeping well at night and uh, I was really worried about it I didn't really know what to do so what should people look for in their kids and then what should they do about it (laughs) so I am very fond of saying that um, kids and adults present very differently You know, when we have an adult with sleep disordered breathing, with sleep apnea, we can almost fit them into a box, right? They present with the classic symptoms. Mm -hmm. They snore, typical person is overweight. They, they, you can fit them into a box with the symptoms that they present with. Now, Oh, don't start me, Magna, (laughs) because this is one of my like soapbox things, because I'm like, that's true that it's more likely to affect those people. But then there's other people who have horrible airways. (laughs) Absolutely. Anyway, sorry, carry on. Um, But then with kids, and you know this, we could have five children with seven different symptoms, and they all could have sleep disordered breathing. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where the little disconnect happens. Because 
kids I find tend to get put into, oh, she's just a child. He's going to outgrow this. He's being a boy. They're being a typical teenager or whatever it is that we attribute to these kids mm -hmm. without once stopping to think about, is there more? I have two girls too, and I can tell. When, We're twinsies. Yes. <laughs> um, when one hasn't had a good night's sleep, because when she comes downstairs, I have the attitude that's mm. ass coming out of her ears. And I'm like, girlfriend, you need to go upstairs and take a nap. Yeah. <laughs> um, but How old are yours? Mine are 15 and 12. Okay. I have 13 and eight. So I'm just You're coming right into there. that hole. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, so for children, like we were talking, um, they present differently. Uh, I always tell parents, snoring is never cute. If you have a child that snores, it doesn't matter tall, short, overweight, not overweight, mm -hmm. what they look like, whatever else is going on, get that evaluated. Mm -hmm. And the best way to do that is we're always taking pictures of our kids. Go take your phone, record a little video to share with your doctors so they see what you're All seeing. of the snoring at nighttime. Yes. Right, yes. right. Yes. And they see what you're seeing and that connects connects for those doctors. Just like, is this something that needs to be addressed? Mm -hmm. If so, what? If not, why? So snoring is always a big red flag. Mouth breathing. You touched upon it with your little one. Mm -hmm. um, mouth breathing does not allow for that tongue to sit in the roof of the mouth. Tongue acts as our natural expander, natural retainer, mm -hmm. shapes the palate. Now the roof of the mouth or the palate is also the floor of the nose, which is our upper airway. Right. So if we tend to have a narrowing there, guess what? That is a sign. Well, then that needs to be further evaluated. Where is that coming from? What is causing that mouth breathing? Mm -hmm. Is it allergies? Do we need to have them see an ENT? Um, is it um, food that is an issue? Does that need to be changed? Is there a tongue tie that's preventing that tongue from sitting in the roof of the mouth? Mm -hmm. What do their tonsils look like? There's so much that needs to be connected, tied together for these children that moms need to know what questions to ask. Right. This episode of Sleep Apnea Stories is sponsored by Myotape. If you've listened to the podcast, you've heard me talk about my journey switching from mouth breathing to nose breathing. Once I learned the benefits of nasal breathing versus mouth breathing, I tried all sorts of mouth taping methods to keep my mouth closed at night when I was asleep. I didn't like any of them and found they would either fall off or get uncomfortable during the night. That is until I find myotape. Myotape is specifically designed to bring the lips together with a light elastic tension to help maintain lip closure and ensure nasal breathing. Myotape is made from cotton and hypoallergenic glue, especially made for the skin. I have found it comfortable to use Myotape at night with my CPAP. If you're interested to switch from mouth breathing to nose breathing, I highly recommend trying Myotape to ease the transition. Visit 
oxygenadvantage.com slash Emma to order your myotape now. That's oxygenadvantage.com slash Emma. And I think also one of the things just as a parent that's difficult is, of course, you love your children and you want to do the best for them. But there are so many different specialists for those things that you just mentioned. Like, you know, obviously, like if, if you're thinking, well, they have huge tonsils, you're thinking, well, I'm going to take them to an ENT. Absolutely. But some of the other things, you know, like you're like, well, do I go to a dentist or, um, you know, it's difficult to know where to start. Like, so, so do we start with taking them to the pediatrician or or because I know a pediatrician is not necessarily really up on all this stuff right so it's quite tricky um yeah I always tell moms your dentist is always the best place to begin because that's what we are we are specialists of your head and neck how yeah. things grow growth development that's what we learn about four years of school mm-hmm. so and I, when I train other docs too, that's what I talk about. It's like, sometimes we don't have all the answers, actually don't expect to have all the answers. Mm-hmm. Our role is traffic control. Oof, Where does right. this child need to go? Always yeah. start with the ENT eval, what next? A lot of this, we are able to help them with if they need to be expanded, either the dentist is trained or they work with another orthodontist. Mm-hmm. Um, if they have a tongue tie that needs to be released, typically dentists can do that. Um, working either with a myofunctional therapist, lots of docs now have either myofunctional therapists they work with or have somebody in their office or have a team member that's trained. Mm-hmm. So it's- So, so just start like, I. I know like I'm I'm like two months into my functional therapy and totally into it. But for people listening that have never heard that term, can you just explain what myofunctional therapy is? In a nutshell, training your tongue to sit where it needs to sit mm-hmm. passively and doing what it needs to do instead of the tongue is a muscle. Think mm-hmm. about it as going to the gym, you're training your muscles to look lean, thin, um, well, whatever it is that you want to do. Toned. Toned. Thank you. That's the word. Um, And we're naturally working on toning, but, or making your tongue look skinny, which would be great, (laughs) but (laughs) positioning, where does that tongue need Mm -hmm. to rest for ideal? What is the ideal posture? And especially as, as, so from what I'm reading, like, especially while children are in that growth and development phase, it's really important that their tongue is sitting where it needs to sit because it affects how everything grows, how their palate develops. So yeah, it's, it's, and it's also really fascinating. Speech, right? It yeah. also impacts. I'm totally um, lisping and I sound really weird because I had my tongue tie released last week and fun. it's uh, not really where it needs to be. <laughs> but um yeah it's definitely easier from what I'm reading like if if you catch all these things really early it's much easier to intervene than when you're 43 like me and trying to kind of do it all after the fact right so it's good to be aware of all these things is what I tell everybody yeah you know you have you feel so much better imagine that tongue being tight I don't know if you watch this but there is I want to say it's on YouTube 
there is a little video that shows where they, um, you know, the tongue is part of the fascia in the body mm -hmm. and they separated it away from the rest of the body. So it, they, they dissected the body away. So it's just the fascia remaining pretty cool. It's one continuous piece of tissue mm. from under the tongue to the tip of your big toe. Where is this kinked? To what is it impacting? Mm. It is not uncommon in adults to see it affect uh, shoulder pain or posture or back pain. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's mind blowing. I felt like my whole face and neck were just because I, I pretty much have had tension and pain in my face and neck like my whole life. And then when I had my tongue tie released, it's just felt really relaxed and yes. warm. And it's, it's a crazy difference. Like I wish it's I'd done it so many uncommon. years ago, you know? I know, it's not uncommon. Yeah. I remember we had this nine-year-old boy that came in and had a list. Uh, he was never told it needed to be released. And mom, mom knew, as moms, we know, right? I know. And she brought him in. When we released it, you know, with the laser, it's so quick, you know this. And as it I was, was not fun. The, the laser that they're like it's so quick and it's just with the laser and it still doesn't feel very good it still doesn't feel good but anyway really i will have to yeah i'm gonna have to ask my patients more questions because we'll do it on little ones and they don't complain all they care about is the popsicle at the very right. end i think maybe theirs are let like mine's was a full-on like big old tongue tie probably <laughs> so, yeah so that little boy goes I didn't know my tongue was supposed to be able to move this way. Mm -hmm. And it broke my heart because just yeah. for him to be able to communicate that, because he obviously felt that restriction. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so if children, so what I'm not sure about is, because I've heard you talk about myofunctional therapy and um power expansion and different things like that and mm -hmm. and you know like having tonsils and adenoids removed at the ENT if they need that what about like is there any situation where like would you send a child for a sleep study um yes okay typically um typically when we have a child that presents that checks a lot of boxes mm -hmm. we send them off to the ENT the ENT takes their tonsils out. And this is where having um, communication with your docs is so important. Mm -hmm. um, my docs know to, I want a baseline. I want to see where they're starting for me to know, did they even get better? Mm -hmm. So uh, there'll be times that the ENT will take the tonsils out and um, they'll come back. And it's not uncommon to hear, everything's fixed. He's good. She's good. The tonsils mm -hmm. are gone because yes, in children, the tonsils are the main obstruction that mm -hmm. contributes to this. And my question has always been, how do we know? Right. I have nothing measurable there. Mm -hmm. How do I know? And don't get me wrong. There is definitely an improvement, but if I need to lose 50 pounds, and I've lost 20. I'm going to look amazing, feel amazing. But how do you know how mm. I got into it? So um, those measures are, again, 
case by case important, which is where having the doctors evaluate working with them is key. Mm -hmm. Do you find like I I find this whole um, lots of specialists not talking to each other really frustrating. Like you have like the sleep specialists over here doing their thing, and then you have the dentists, and and all, and it's worth saying that not all dentists are as airway focused as you are, right? Like there's there's a lot of dentists. We're getting who, there. We're all right, getting. <laughs> right. I mean, it's definitely developing and getting better. Yes. But, so there's there's dentists and then there's pediatricians and I I have always felt like they don't really talk to each other like there's it's the parent that's having to actually navigate that whole thing. It can happen. I'll be honest yeah. with you. It it used to be more common, less common now, or maybe it's just because I don't take no for an answer. Right, and I you actually I, do actively, proactively, like get in touch with people and yes, make sure it but happens. There are times, and there are still doctors that will not um, communicate. I have been told, you as late as 2019, your dentist stick with cleaning teeth. You're obviously not the right provider to be part no. of this for this patient. It's not even about me. It's right, about it's about the patient, patient and the outcome. Um, so not much I can do. You move on and you work towards finding somebody that's gonna work with yeah. you. And you just have to build a team. Yeah. Is, is CPAP and all that stuff, like is CPAP really viable for children? What, what's your take on that? Like, I've um, So if the kids have really severe sleep apnea, it's not uncommon to put them on the CPAP. Okay. That being said. Um, I, bet the, I bet the compliance rates are really low for that. Correct. And it's the I can't imagine my children. Adults, right? Yeah. yeah. My big concern though with the CPAP is the mask has to be tied tight around their mid face mm -hmm. to prevent leakage of air. Right. Well, that's reverse orthopedic forces that we're putting on their jaws. Well, on their developing face. Exactly. Yeah. It impacts development of their premaxilla, which is what we want. We, we want to utilize their growth spurts. Um, so we kind of get into that little catch 22, um, but there's definitely ways around it. Mm-hmm not the most ideal. I like to get, get kids into something where we can grow them out sooner rather than later. Just mm -hmm. open up the airway. If you have a coffee stir, I want to give you a smoothie straw. As simple as that. Yeah, good deal. Um, and so talk to me about like the, the sort of mainstream kind of dentistry, orthodontistry thing. They seem to talk about like, let's do an evaluation when they're like 12 and all their teeth are in. So where are you on that? Because I know that there's a lot of, um, I've seen like some other kind of expanders or, or different things for younger children. So can you talk me through a little bit about that? And like when parents should be asking about, does their palate need to be expanded? That kind of thing. So with dentists, you could have 10 dentists in a room with one patient, you will get 11 treatment plans. They will right. all be right. That's right. the thing. Right. They will all be right. It's based on your philosophy and your training. Okay. That being said, the youngest child I have in an appliance is two years old. Oh gosh. I see a bunch of two-year-olds. They're my favorite group, age group to treat. Those children do anything. They're the most compliant patients. Um, actually, we are working on a one month old with my ENT currently. That 
Baby has had a tongue tied lip tie release, just cannot breathe through his nose. Oh. So he sent him to me. He's like, expand him. I'm like, how? He had no teeth. <laughs> so we came up with ways around it. We're working on him. Yeah. So you can start as early as two. Wow. And getting the evaluation done, um, being able to talk to parents. Moms know. And moms, well, not just moms, dads, parents, anybody want what's best for their kids. Yeah. So, and all those, best- and all those ten dentists with the eleven treatment plans, I'm sure, totally want the best for absolutely all their patients for sure. Absolutely. Like, I'm not implying that they don't. <laughs> absolutely. Um, but as long as they see where you're coming from, if it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Why would anybody not be compliant? So what kind of thing, so so what sort of, when you say an appliance, what kind of thing are you using on a two-year-old? It depends on what they need. I have used different kinds of expanders. I've used the BioBlock. Um, what is going on with that child that is causing this? Because anything comes down to clinical decisions. What does that child need? Mm-hmm. Uh, appliances, yep, you can put expanders in them. You can put a BioBlock. There's ways to What does the bioblock do? The bioblock is, um, I don't know if you've heard of Dr. John Mew. It was, it's an Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, developed by him and works beautifully in those little ones. Okay. Not very many dentists have podcasts. So tell me about starting your podcast and why you decided to do that. Absolutely. Um, you know, when I played with the idea of doing a podcast, it was for um, other dentists. I wanted to um, kind of help spread the word, help them see um, what they should be looking for in their patients, how they can educate their patients. And um, one night I was sitting with my younger daughter, my 12 year old, and uh, we were discussing this and she said, but why do you want to teach the dentist? They already know everything. And I said, you're right. They're all super, super smart. If I were you, I would want to teach all the mommies. <gasps> that <laughs> was my aha moment. I was like, you know what, baby, you are right. Because it's the mommies that need help. Mm-hmm. It's the parents that don't have the answers and which was a complete um, turn of direction in, at this point, it's just raising awareness. And I know you listened, it's, I don't have time as a mom to listen to too many podcasts that are too, too long. Yeah. But that again was one intention, but give me what I need. Let's listen to it. Give me the information so I know where I'm going. And it's, Mm -hmm. And like anything, I don't follow the metrics on my podcast. I know there's people that are going to be like, what? <laughs> I truly don't. Um, the only way I know that it's making an impact is it's not unusual and uncommon for people to reach out to me on Instagram or even come in as patients of record. We have a patient that flies in all the way from Nevada to wow. Out from treatment and as flattering as it is it's like we need more docs out there doing this yeah oh yeah so the the other thing was i had a good look at your website and one of the things on there you know how um dentists and doctors often talk about the stop bang thing uh-huh. um 
so I don't love that because I feel like it leaves out a lot of people. But what's your thought on that? Like I know that the overweight men with big necks and all that are definitely at risk for sleep apnea and that's what you see a lot of but I'm wondering if maybe those guidelines that a lot of doctors are used to are maybe missing a lot of like slender you know fit people who just happen to have horrible airways right so any idea about that do you think we should change what we're teaching doctors it is a valuable tool, don't get me wrong. It gives a certain amount of information. Mm-hmm. Personally, within my practice, I use the Epworth. Okay. Which is your sleepiness scale. Which is your sleepiness scale. So as a slender young female, if you're sleep deprived, you are still sleepy. You still present with, right. I really, really, really want to nap in the afternoons mm-hmm. or you know, I fall asleep at the wheel and it does not... Um, only target a right. certain uh, subset of the population. So yeah. Personally, I prefer this, but they both have their place. You get good information right. from both. Thank you so much awesome. for your time. I Thank really you appreciate for having it. Me. Thanks so much for listening. I love hearing from you. If you'd like to be featured in an upcoming episode, please email me at sleepapneastories at gmail.com. That's also the place to get in touch if you just want to say hi or ask a question. Alternatively, you can always reach me on Instagram. My handle there is at sleepapneastories. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen. This really helps a wider audience to find the episodes and I really appreciate it.